Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, it's Wednesday. We normally handicap a full slate of NFL games today. Pick out our sides and totals for the week. Yeah, but not I today. I don't know what it's to do. The with off my hands. season. It's the off season, buddy. And uh, so, with that in mind, we're going to do a little hard reset on what we plan to do uh, between now and when football returns. And you know, by football returning, I really mean like when we can really get into the nitty gritty of preparing for the 2020 season in like July. Um, I think we'll try to break. You know, we'll we'll try to keep it interesting and and. Uh, go back and do similarly to what we did off season, but even better, uh, cover some evergreen topics on Mondays. Uh, and then Wednesdays, we'll reach out to interesting folks in the handicapping community to do a deep dive interview. Uh, and when we have kind of an event, a handicapping, interesting handicapping event also that kind of correlates with our guest, we'll cover it. So like March Madness, Kentucky Derby, draft, things like that. We'll, we'll be sure to uh, hit all of those. The Masters, the uh, – oh, I meant to – I got to ask you about golf. Um, we, got, yeah, yeah, so, we got the Masters. We got the hot dog eating contest. Yeah. Little hot, League World Hot dog series. eating contest. Euro 2020. Oh. I, oh the Olympics. I oh, dude. fucking can't believe we didn't bring up the Olympics until just now. It this was right, one, right yeah, when you said it. I was season. just about to gasp. Yeah. This, this is going to be probably the best <laughs> offseason that we've had since we've been doing the pod. Very exciting. Um, and it's going to be great. Uh, there's tennis events to cover, golf events to cover, obviously. Uh, we probably won't talk much baseball, but who the hell knows? Um, with all that said, uh, it is a little, uh, you know, there's a little melancholy always this time of year. Things do get a little slow because people tend to uh, find other interests or, you know, try to kind of make up for all of the time they spent handicapping the Super Bowl and the playoffs and, you know, catch up on life stuff. Uh, these next couple weeks, so I'm preparing myself for for a pretty sad drop in listener numbers. But uh, we'll we'll we will continue to provide outstanding content that will keep you engaged, keep you interested in the sports betting space. And uh, yeah, it seems like a fair commitment, right? Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> some of the evergreen topics are a lot of the evergreen topics that we did touch on last year, and a lot that we're going to touch on this year are pretty much spun from. Like, hey, this is a question we get asked a lot, and I think people are interested in it. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. Hit us in, you know, DMs, respond to us. If, if you know, there's a topic that's getting a lot of steam, maybe it'll be something we have to touch on later in the season because I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who have a lot of questions and be a lot easier just to answer them all at once in audio form than typing out a bunch sure of shit. Will be. And, yeah, or, plus it'll be stuff you can listen to whenever you feel like it. And <laughs> that, it yeah, won't be topical. It'll be evergreen. Well, even, you know, even to the point of like several people in the last few weeks have asked some questions where I was able to just find an old podcast and say, here's like, you know, I could give you the the cliff notes, but here's like an hour of it. Like hit this up. A lot of those evergreen ones are going to be nice for for things like that. And hopefully you guys find some useful information. And then I think the guest list is going to be pretty electric this year. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. Um, okay, that's a good framing of the off season. Uh, but uh, and and you know, I, I kind of there is you know we kind of got lost 
in the uh, in the blitz that was the Super Bowl. There's a lot going on in sports right now. Uh, you're betting college basketball. I'm betting NBA. You're betting tennis. I'm sorry. You're betting golf. You're probably betting tennis too, but you're oh, definitely betting, betting golf. I'm betting tennis. I'm betting tennis. Sure. We're betting Oscar props. We're betting, you know, they, there's a, there is a lot uh, of ground to cover across. So we're going to do, my... so the rest of this episode is just going to be a poo-poo platter, uh, resetting what's going on in the betting space, kind of making some observations on each, uh, each little, uh, little niche that is being handicapped right now. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep track of them and, put the uh put the timing in the notes so if you want to jump ahead or jump around or find something specific you're looking for uh check the notes with that andy everybody wants to know where's the college basketball picks man i, I put some up tonight i got busy but and i feel that not only last week did i had a bad week like i didn't do very well for two three days which is never fun tries to screw with your confidence, but I kept firing at a nice Sunday, won both games yesterday, but it was a, boy, it was a rough week. I had both, you know, you're sick right now. You're fighting cold. I had a sick me, a sick wife, and then both sick kids to the point of like coming and getting them from school and, uh, and our ear thermometer broke. So I was using my meat <laughs> thermometer to take the oh, temperature. I know I got to like get a new meat thermometer. I can't, <laughs> I can't grill with that anymore. They were sick and they had it in their mouth. So, yeah. um, well, I didn't know what else to do. I just, they, I mean, they had fevers, but, um, yeah, it was a rough week between trying to get anything done and keep these kids, uh, entertained while they were not allowed in school, apparently. So I'm, I'm a little more focused this week. It's been nice. The, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the process is there. My mind's a little more clear. So hopefully college picks are out at a decent time. But it's been it's been fun. Another year of doing that. Yeah, let me ask you a couple tweak, questions. Tweak the model a little. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple questions for you, if you're willing to answer. Uh, this obviously I don't you don't need you. to give you away the secret sauce here. But um what do you I mean college basketball, do you have any idea who's good? <laughs> <laughs> Do we know at all who's no, good? And, 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 yeah, and I people, know you're focusing on mid-majors. Yeah. I was so. going to say, for people who don't follow along to what I, I do post on the timeline, I don't bet the big six conferences. I will sometimes, like for, you know, handkerchief money. Is that a thing? I don't yeah. know why that I don't know that, why that was the word. Handkerchief money. I, I, handkerchief I've heard money. that so many times. It's like it's a, you know, it's it's, it's old like part of the common part of the vernacular. Yeah, it's the part of the lexicon. Money. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If there's a good bit, like I, I'm, I'm up in Big Ten country. If there's a good Big Ten game, I'll bet a little. I ended up doing God, what, uh, I did uh, hooping with hoops with Greg the other night, and you know he he bets every game. So he wanted to talk a little Big Ten, and we had a hard – well, not a hard disagreement, but our numbers and what we thought about the game disagreed hard. So I ended up putting a few bucks on uh, Penn State, which won outright. That was like oh, my, biggest, yeah. my biggest disagreement on the board. So now so now that's in my head. I'm like, God, should, should I be should betting be Big, Big Ten? I know. I'm, I'm doing like back testing today to see if like – you know, I just avoided that stuff because it's a bigger market. Did you like Purdue tonight? More liquid and stuff. I should I should look at that. What was the line? Uh, I think it was like Iowa plus four or something. They're getting smoked. Uh, I was getting it? smoked. Um, oh, it's the fifth. I'm not, I'm not even looking in the right day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had um, Purdue. Yeah, I had Purdue as a small favorite. So, in general, Damn as it. it pertains as it pertains to uh, uh, as it pertains to college basketball broadly, 
is it fair to say it's wide open? It is wide open. And I think uh, I, something I wanted to maybe touch on if I ever did talk basketball was I see a ton of people making a ton of future bets. In normal years, I would, I would poo-poo this. I would say sure. this is a bad idea. One of, the, one of the most common DMs, DMs go in like waves of, you know, you get this, I got a bunch of NFL props, you know, it depends on what's going on. But the most common DM I got last year was, hey, I have Texas Tech at this number. I have Auburn at this number. What should I do? How do I hedge? And I mean, the answer was always, you can't, dude. Like, it's not, you have three games left. You can't. I don't care if it's 100 to 1. Like, I, I won't math it out. Maybe we'll, we'll do some hedging math in a in a another podcast where we have some more time. But, like, if you do want to get into NCAA basketball futures, know that they got to win. They got to win six games. Like, you, you can't say, oh, I get this huge number and I'll just hedge out whenever. Like, Man, unless that number is like a thousand to one, and you have a pretty big bankroll or a pretty lenient credit agent, you need to you need to pretty much ride that stuff out to the final four. So I don't mind someone who takes a big uh, a big swing. I know a few people I talk to do. Um, actually, on Twitter, Aaron Kessler, I like his approach. He takes only massive numbers on teams that he think are going to shorten up quite a bit, and make the tournament. And that's how you that's how you catch a team like at Auburn or Texas Tech and get them into the final four or the final even even better. But you know, take it easy on those just because you think, you know, this team has a shot, you're you're pretty much having to ride it out. Like you are you need that team to win five games, most likely, four at the least if they're a big number. So take it easy on some of that. That's saying it is a little more wide open this year. If you're seeing some big fat, fat numbers on a team that you think has second weekend potential, I guess maybe I'm a little more lenient on that this year as far as uh, you know, thinking it's minus EV. Like, I learned that lesson. I, I, I had some really nice numbers on a few, a few teams. I had three teams at just fantastic numbers three years ago, two years ago, something along those lines. <clears throat> two of them ended up getting in the same – they were all three in the same region once in yeah. two. Yeah. And two of them played each other in the second round. Like yeah. it, it was like that's, that, that's the other part about having a big portfolio of it. You can have, you know, you have like 10 futures, you can have six in the same region. Yeah. Yep, I mean, yep, yep. It, it increases your odds of getting one out, but boy, that was a, that was a real kick in the dick when I had my two favorite teams playing each other in the second round, if they won. Oh yeah. That's like, happened that's, to me in tennis for sure. Tennis made tennis slams. That happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Pre, right. pre, it, pre draw, yeah. yeah pre draw stuff is a little tricky that way. So take it easy on those <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, just take it easy in general, just cause there's 150 games on a Saturday. You don't have to go too nuts, but um, yep. I, I will yep. say if you do want to get into college basketball, I would start. I would start on Saturdays because boy, you can, you know, you can pick and choose. It's one of those things where sometimes I think people bet too much based on availability. Like, sure. Oh, there's, there's only six games tonight, or oh, there's a when there's one of those nine a.m. games on oh, yeah. and everybody just has to rush to bet it because it's the only thing on. Sure. That's, that's the opposite of. You know, most likely that's how I feel. I don't know. Maybe there are people that find value on those early games sometimes, like first half unders. But sure, yeah, no, no, no. It's like any market, though. It's like any market. If you have like a, if you have a standalone game, you're going to get outsized 
you know, you're going to get outsized liquidity and presumably with along with that is going to be, you know, a sharper number. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm hundred percent with you. Um, as far as your future, con- your futures take, I think I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, pre- you know, number one, when you're talking about a field as big as the tournament, um, and you're betting long shots, you know, you should be doing so under the auspice of, you know, the, there will be upsets, right? The top of the market is, is vulnerable. Um, and so, you know, even, even beyond just finding a team with value that you like, I think you need to do, you know, start at the top and look at the odds. And cause I, to me, they don't look all that different than years past, but in my mind, just seeing how, you know, volatile some of these results have been so far this season, I feel like there, you know, there's less, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a tighter pack at the top. It's not, there's not some, you know, some clear and obvious, uh, you know, teams that, that are way out there that are unlikely to be upset. Right. Cause you know, you're going to gain value, not just by your team winning, but by the top of the market teams losing. Um, so, and the best is when somebody else does the hard work for you, you know, when a 15 seed takes care of a two seed in your bracket, like that's how you make money on these things. <laughs> so, and that's where I do enjoy, um, I think I do enjoy post-draw futures a lot better. I do too, for you sure. Can really draw it a, you can really draw out a map. You can say, you know, that this is a high volatility, maybe a region where you think maybe the two, three seed or what, the seeds that aren't your team have a high likelihood of being upset. And you think there's some value to be ex- abstracted, uh, extracted. And that's what I, I ended up doing that um, with Virginia when they won it, I took a little Virginia early on and that was one where, uh, you know, once they had the, whatever the first game was where they likely shouldn't have won and there was, you know, looniness at the end. I, sure. just, I just said, well, I'm, I mean, this is what it is. Now I'm playing with house money. The first gonna, of like I'm seven gonna, of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to let this ride. So I didn't, I tried to not even sweat those games, which was freaking impossible. So the, oh, yeah, yeah. the, the only, the only future I've really ever cashed in college basketball was taken post draw and just yeah. that team quite a bit. It's amazing how far they've fallen, but um, yeah, take it easy on those. Um, okay. um bass college or college basketball to NBA. I well, think, no, let me. I one more quick oh, question go ahead, for you go ahead, go ahead. before we get off college. Uh, I had a futures you, question, but I'll, I'll okay. Go so, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, you uh, you said last week was a little rocky. Uh, is the market catching up to you at all? Are you still seeing seeing the same kind of edges that you saw in uh, January, December, or whatnot? Yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, it's you're like, you're definitely you're definitely moving the number, and you're definitely winning at an impressive rate so far this season. So presumably, you should have some market influence by this point. And I don't know. Do you feel like like Niagara is a great example? Like, are the numbers for Niagara starting to get closer to what you think are realistic, or do you still see the same edge? Man, the the one weekend that was almost like I bet him twice. Niagara was, I've, I think I've bet Niagara 10 times now. The, the one weekend, I ended up betting them both games they played. And I was, I was like, I went one and one, and I was super disappointed in how the games turned out because the first, the game that they lost, it wasn't terribly close. And then the game that they won was very close to the number as a dog. Like they just covered slightly. Yeah. So I, you know, th- that's not. I just, that's not how you get a big adjustment on a team. Like if they blow both those teams out, maybe there's a big adjustment. I can finally get off that train. 
Like I was, uh, I was, I, I was kind of wanting to sure, finally sure. get off the Niagara chain, like make the adjustments. I don't have to just like laugh about betting these guys every week. But <laughs> I mean, here we are. I end up betting them again. I bet them, I, I, I bet I liked them so much in the Quinnipiac matchup that I just said I'm going to bet them in the morning when the money line comes up. I'm not taking two points. They won by a bunch. I don't understand the Quinnipiac power rating for anybody. I should just <laughs> that team either yeah. way um, flip yeah. flip now yeah let niagara it's, ride out the season and just fade quimpiac down the it's it's tough to say what the what the market is doing as far as adjustments to certain things but definitely like last year my kryptonite was overtime yeah i, I remember this year it hasn't it, been at all really this no year. it hasn't been it's which like, is crazy it's like coming back to the mean there but also um end of game scenarios i've had like three or four games where my team has fouled down 10, down 12, you know, down 11, <laughs> with like 15 seconds. Like, you know, sure. at that point, you don't need to fall. Like, that, yeah. that's kind of been some of my bad beats this year. So, hopefully, that kind of comes back, uh, come back to normal a little and I can, I can get back on the right track. Although, yesterday was nice. I had a couple teams uh, cover and win. Some of the questions, I, I should just address a couple of the questions that I get all the times in the DMs. Like whenever one of my teams that I bet as an underdog, because I'm 99% underdogs, whenever they win outright, somebody will DM or reply and say, hey, like, do you ever think about sh- just betting all the underdogs just money lines too? And like I tracked that last year. That's a bad idea. That's a mm. super bad idea. I've went and found days. I went like eight and two on Saturday and not a one of those, not one of those won the game outright. It was, it was something, like there, there's, there's days like that where you can have a very good winning day and not a single one of those money lines will cash. Mm-hmm. Or, you, know, you know, you go like four and one and one money line cashes, it's a plus 200. You, that doesn't make up for the other four losses. Like long term, that's not going to be a good way. I've, I've, I'm keeping my numbers, so I'm, I'm doing some back testing to see if there's a way to identify if there's a time to be betting money lines. But yeah, for now, don't do that. And then somebody does ask the, the first half question whenever teams have a collapse. Like, hey, maybe you should just bet the first half. And I looked at last year's numbers and this year's numbers, some of what. And teams, at least in my subset of games, teams have an, as many second-half collapses as they have second-half comebacks. Yeah, like, that sounds right. Like yeah. my over, over a several hundred pick sample size – my first halves hit slightly worse than my full games, although it was still a good, it was a winning number, which, so the answer to the question is yes, you should bet the first halves, I guess, because they won. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's not something that should, you know, like I would ever think of replacing it with, especially, I mean, some of these small games, it's hard to find a first half number, honestly. That same yeah. thing goes with the money line. Sometimes, it's, sometimes books just aren't straight up aren't offering that on some of those extra games. So, that's uh, I guess I just a couple things, a couple questions that I wanted to answer. Interesting. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. No, that was interesting. Which leads me to I got to thinking as you were talking about NBA futures, and I think you know it just doesn't apply to my college basketball. College basketball scheduling is you know there are tough spots, and I know some guys that are able to identify some tough spots or easy spots in the schedule, but there just isn't that much difference from, you know, one schedule to the next where I think there's super good times to strike 
mm-hmm. on futures. I mean, there definitely are high and low points for teams, and that's what you need to identify. But I feel like in the NBA, every year we find something, we get to talking, or you know, you get to talking to somebody else, and you bring it to my attention. It's like shit, yeah. Like uh, there's always a there's always a division winner or something we need to be looking at later in the season because teams. NBA schedules are sort of unbalanced at times. And I'm just wondering if you've dug into that later in the year yet. Good question. And I need to. Um, <clears throat> let me look right now what my numbers are versus the market because I haven't really taken a close look. Um, Boston to win the Atlantic, if you can find a fair price, is uh, is worth a shot. Right now they're behind Toronto in the standings, but I think Boston uh, at full strength and whatever you know whatever they do at the deadline here. Uh, is going to you know vault themselves above Toronto in the standings as we head down the home stretch. Um, does, Miami does Iguodala to the Heat change that? Well, that's Southeast, so I'm, that, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, and it's I mean Iguodala to the Heat would be fast. Would be no, that just would, that would be great. That oh, it, it did. That actually went down. Yep, that just happened. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I like that move a lot. I really am. I yeah. uh, I I like Miami a lot. Miami has maybe more money this season than any other NBA team. Um, and I don't know why people are still kind of in determined that they're not, they're incapable of, uh, going toe to toe. Some of the best across the league. Um, Indiana has been disappointing with Oladipo back. Um, I think Philadelphia is really in a terrible spot. Just, you know, the team overall is in general under yeah. underwhelming. It's underwhelming. So, so poorly. And, um, you know, the potential kind of chemistry issues between Simmons and Embiid, look likely to be amplified in the playoffs as opposed to uh, they get an easy playoff round one playoff win in series win and everything's good between them. Uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them. They're not in a prime position to be uh, seated well for the playoffs at all. And, you know, nothing about what the way they're playing or, you know, how they're using some of the ancillary pieces around uh, Simmons Embiid or both uh, is really working for them. So Brett Brown probably needs to move on. Um, they tend to fall apart on the road. I don't know. I just that Philadelphia just is, is not not anywhere close to the level of uh, contender that was expected preseason. Uh, and really, is there somebody sneaky <laughs> to make the playoffs. Then I mean, somebody like yeah, yeah. You know, Washington, like, Washington, Washington, Chicago are both knocking on the door. Brooklyn's going to fall away, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Um, and I don't, Orlando's. I don't, I don't think you know the Sixers aren't falling out of the playoffs completely, but. I think no, like for sure that they're stuck. They're stuck in the bottom, you know, the bottom half of the the Eastern Conference playoffs, and that's, that's yeah. You don't want to start by going and playing Milwaukee or you know Milwaukee or the Celtics right away. Yeah, that's not yeah. that's not going to work out for you. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know that the you know there's been a, a, at the bottom of the East is way worse than the bottom of the West. I mean, the bottom of the East is just appallingly bad um atlanta's underwhelmed but maybe maybe they make some noise later in the season now that they've kind of got some healthy pieces back and uh they made the trade for uh capella which will be interesting to see yeah. how he fits 38 losses already though incredible no they're not That's, gonna they're not gonna go to the yeah, playoffs know, but they might know, be they might hard. be a good they might be a good team to bet on uh, oh sure dog I some of the better teams down the stretch yeah i was gonna um, say but the yeah, central no, the central and the, the southeast are if i as i look at the standings i don't up. think yeah, as I look at the standings, I don't think Brooklyn or Orlando both make the playoffs. One of those teams likely falls out, and then if I had to guess, I would guess Brooklyn, um, which I think sets up the likes of Chicago or Washington to steal a, a playoff seed, which is insane, um, but then get swept by Milwaukee because Milwaukee is on just absolute another level. They're on another level. 
if you've heard any of the NBA talk that I've done on any podcast, including this podcast over the course of the season, um, you know, I, you know that I ride with the Bucks this year through and through, uh, especially in the East. I've, I'm, I'm heaviest on them to win the East. Um, and I think they have a very, very, very legit shot to win their first ever, you know, their, this, this crew's first ever uh, trip to the finals um, because the West is a lot murkier. Um, Lakers as the one seed right now, if I, I would not, I would not expect that they are a lock to win the, uh, their, their division. Actually, I think the Clippers can catch them in the Pacific. Uh, and if I had to say today, how's this going to go down? I think the Clippers probably come out of the West. Um, it's not a super hot take. I know they're probably market leaders, uh, but, uh, you know, Bucks Clippers looks like the uh, the finals matchup we're going to get this year. In yeah, my I mean, two best teams in the in the same division. Yeah, I could see the Clippers catching uh, the Lakers though. They're only three and a half games back. Uh, we saw well, okay, so and yeah, I mean, I'm West, guessing West, I'm guessing that division races are tight. You know, you yeah, don't have, yeah, right. We've yeah, seen we've seen LeBron running away with things, right? And Lakers, we've seen LeBron fire a ton of his bullets already this season. He did not kind of take his standard you know, 10 game stretch where he really lightened his load in, uh, in January so that he had kind of a good home stretch in him, which to me, I would expect, you know, around all-star break and post all-star break, you see the Lakers swoon a little bit as LeBron kind of, uh, needs to regroup before spring. Um, Clippers can catch the Lakers. I think, uh, Clippers, absolutely unbelievable defensive team. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way Paul George is, has been playing and is since coming back from recent injury, uh, has me believing in this Clippers team through and through quite obviously is going to be the deciding factor for them winning the West, but, um, you know, they've got the depth, they've got the chemistry, they've got the defense. Everything looks really good with that team. They're really their only weaknesses. They don't protect the rim, especially well. Um, but there's not a whole lot of teams in the West that can really hurt them that way, which is pretty amazing. Uh, biggest, uh, you know, biggest, I guess, best story uh, in the West is Oklahoma City Thunder at 30 and 20. That was insane. For them to be a 600 team uh, this season is is wild. I think their regular season win total opened at 28. So they've already gotten their opener. Uh, I think it closed around 32, which they're easily going to get. Um, and then the eighth seed right now is uh, looks like a pretty decent battle between uh, Memphis and Portland. I uh, would expect Memphis can, you know, can keep their uh, outstanding play of this last month and a half up and, and steal that eight seed. So I don't think anyone sneaks in in the West. I don't think San Antonio sneaks in. I don't think New Orleans, even though with uh, Zion Williamson is, you know, absolutely a force to be reckoned with and, you know, a good bet on team. I don't think they can win enough games to get into that eight spot. So Memphis amazingly likely, likely gets a playoff seed, which is wild. Pick your, so. pick your division winners then. I know you already said Clippers, but Rockets, Mavs. I mean, Rockets, Mavs, and Jazz Nuggets. Jazz Nuggets, Thunder, honestly. <clears throat> I think Mavs win the Southwest. Um, it's a toss-up, but if you can find – if they have a better price, if, you know, I, I, it's – I would I, – let me look at my numbers. I would make Dallas 53% to win the West Southwest. Uh, I would make Clippers 48% to win the Pacific. I would make Denver 65% to win the Northwest. Losers. And in the East, I have Boston at 62%. And Milwaukee at like 
and uh, Miami at 95%. So there you go. I, I'm while I did write down Boston Atlantic and I'll probably bet it. I do have to issue the listeners a warning here that you are from, you are from Boston technically kind of. <laughs> yeah, but you're you know, from the DMV, like, but actually, I'm going to say you're kind of, you're kind of, a you know we're hope we, we are, we are hoping that the Boston Celtics get the two seed. That yeah. would be fantastic for everything bucks related. Uh, if this Boston team gets the two seed and Toronto gets the three seed, Oh baby, that is a perfect, uh, perfect setup for um, Boston to eke their way into the Eastern Conference Finals and just get ethered by the Bucks. Oh, yeah, very the Bucks, Bucks would go like what Wizards, Heat, and then <laughs> and, you know, so they've played they've played the fewest possible games at that point. Exactly. They get to the Celtics. Yeah, we want Toronto to take out Philly in uh, round one as a three six. We want Boston to uh, Boston probably plays Orlando uh, and uh, gets through comfortably, and then Boston uh, Toronto would be just a bloodbath of a series. And Milwaukee Milwaukee Miami is no no pushover. Um, that would be probably their toughest series in terms of just matchups. Um, but uh, this Bucks team still is. They just have they have another gear, which uh, I'm excited to see what they can do in the playoffs because you know they're at 43 and seven right now. Uh, and even that, like, I feel like there's a handful of games where, you know, they took their foot off the gas and, <laughs> and didn't do as well as they could have. So I don't even know if we've seen their full potential yet, which is insane to say. Are we, are we looking um, at 72 and 10? I don't think I still, I don't it's possible because they're – the 73-win season. They're – if I remember correctly, their home stretch schedule is pretty difficult. They have really not been – tested as actually no i take it back excuse me uh boston and um boston and has the toughest of the of the contenders in the east coming down the home stretch uh, by my numbers bucks don't get to 72 and 10 i don't think though i'm calling it right now i'm looking for nba futures right now boom they're probably off because there's a bunch of these games that are being played right now but um, you can get yeah, Celtic uh, at Bet Online. Yeah, overall one twenty five. Oh, I like that. I like it a lot because I make them a little over. Uh, did I say sixty two percent? Something like that. A little. Yeah, that's where I am. Um, so I got a pretty big edge on that actually. But I already got some Boston to win the Atlantic, so I don't know if I'm going to add any more. Um, the regular season, the NBA has been really tough. Um, it has been weird. How it has been, been overall? Like, how would you rate your not not only your results, but how you feel you've done as a you know, not just a handicapper, but maybe an analyst slash you know, picking up yeah, putting it all together. I, I'm I've acquitted myself to a C performance this season. I give you. Um, I was I was going to go higher. My first uh, my first quarter of the season, I got an A. And my second quarter, I got a B plus. And then the third quarter, I am getting a D. Um, hmm. I am just not seeing a very, I'm not seeing the board well. And granted, I was kind of, I guess, I mean, I, I think I was asking a lot to do tennis and NFL and NBA all at the same time and expect to have a good NBA handicap. Um, but the, you know, the total, oh my God, the totals market has been very tough to predict. Like just wild swings league wide. 
uh, from one week to another. Like you really have to like kind of have a heat index, so to speak, uh, for all teams uh, to be able to capture kind of the in-season highs and lows in the totals market. Um, and then the weirdest thing, sidewise, um, well, number one, like a couple of my tried and true angles, like people have been beating me to market. People have been betting numbers, betting openers and moving number point, point and a half on sides that I wanted um, before I've gotten down on them, uh, which is frustrating. But, you know, I did that to a lot of people throughout my life, so I can't really complain. Um, and, you know, I, the, the, but the weird thing was the, there's been like this whole almost epidemic of guys out, you know, star player is out and team performs like way above expectation. I cannot explain it. And it doesn't, it's not rational. It's, it's not uh, predictable <laughs> really. Uh, but there's these weird little two, three game spurts when a team loses like a key player and you're like, Oh, well now they're going to suck. Like take that off, you know, put a replacement level level player in there and then kind of try to adjust all of the other kind of fringe players up. And, but the fringe players have all been playing better with the, you know, just like the little bit of expanded role, expanded usage, um, for some of the younger players in the league that have seen them absolutely thrive. And I think, you know, there, there must've been like just a couple of relatively good draft classes come through and uh, some of the kind of the non-star players like have a much higher potential than I'm currently counting for um, because it's wild. Like, you know, that, that, that these little two, three game spurts without a star and the team just, just is kicking absolute ass. So uh, I can't explain it. It's wild to see it. And uh, I wish I had, um, you know, kind of been able to capture more value on this somehow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, you know, this whole, the whole 2020 so far in the NBA has been really tough. And uh, it just kind of is a good gut, gut check that uh, it's a tough market to bet. It's a tough sport to beat. Um, and uh, you kind of have to, you ha- kind of have to have a sole focus, I think, to, to really perform well in it, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you do need to. Uh, it's just like I think some people that start getting into this and think, oh, maybe maybe they figure a few things out about a market, and they do well, and they they definitely you know succeed, and not just luck. Like they figure out the market, they figure out some edges, and they bet, and then they get into something else, and and they maybe it's it's somebody's second market that they take seriously. I think that's a big step because that's one of the biggest problems I've had like in my learning curve is like, Oh, this is a completely different market with completely different rules. And this is what you need to do. And this is, you know, these are the steps you need to take to evaluate why the market's moving. And this is where you should be looking at numbers and, you know, everything's different. Every, you know, you can say like betting is betting is betting at sports, but man, every market is so completely different. And that, that just, uh, that's something I've had to wrap my head around several times a month for the past <laughs> however month like like golf go, uh, yeah what wanna, about golf, golf is what is yeah what's your take on the golf market golf is struggling and what and I, i'm taking a step back right now and i'm working on it tonight i'm going to try to put some stuff together for this pro am which i probably shouldn't just throwing good money after bad but um last year i bet golf and my the way i did it and i won't i won't get into any secrets but i mean i was just using a lot of shots gain data and i was making my own algorithms comparing things 
And a lot of it was going pretty well. I hit a high rate of head-to-heads. I gave it almost all back. On, I hit Tiger to win the Masters, and I hit Cantlay to win a different tournament like a month later, and I still lost money on outrights. Like uh, outrights were struggle. Some of the other silly bets I was making, top 20s and three ball and certain other things I lost money off, and it, it was amazing. Like, oh, I should have just bet head-to-heads. And I looked, at my, I looked at my process, and I said, well, I think this is repeatable. You know, I was getting CLV on a lot of these and I was seeing a high rate of success. I dive into that and I start doing the same thing this year and it's just been a shit show. It hasn't <laughs> done well. And I start to look at them like, well, what's changed? And that's, I mean, that's the biggest question you need to ask yourself and stuff like this. And the fact was I started betting in the Masters. And, yeah. you know, the, it, the meat of the season and a lot of the data I was using is shots gained data from you know the previous few months a lot of it was form and things like that whereas oh, now, now, when, I, when i this is this is i came up with this you know yesterday now when i'm and i've been told it, it wasn't completely on my own like i, I talked to some smart guys who bet golf and they, they've said this sort of thing for a couple of weeks it finally just hit home that yeah they're right like i need to be either laying off some of the stuff or betting it differently but the you know, the form I'm looking at is completely different when these guys bet, when these guys are golfing in different countries, when they're golfing in different tours, when they're taking multiple weeks off, like it, you're not getting the same kind of numbers. You're not looking at the same sort of form. You look at a guy's last 24 rounds, you might be looking at like six months. You might be missing the fact that he's gotten hot in – you know, some, some different tours or played some foreign tournaments and done well or he's, or the, or vice versa. And I think uh, I'm missing a lot of context right now in my golf and I'm really, that's why I haven't put anything out. And it's, it's, you know, eight o'clock on a Wednesday here and I'm still working on it because I am really struggling with this. And, and also like you're betting, you know, John Deere, the masters, all the big tournaments throughout the summer, they're all played on the same course. Like this has been, it's been fun though. I like, I'm still, I'm still having fun. I'm not betting so much on golf that I'm upset about losing. Like I'm, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's too, again, it's too, well, you're learning you're an learning, important you're, lesson. It sounds you're, like you're, you're learning important lessons, but yeah, like at the beginning of the season, there's a bunch of tournaments where they're not all played on the same course where wow. they rotate around on different courses and then they all play the same one on Sunday. The cut lines are different. Like it's been, you know, I've only really been betting golf for what, 10 months now. Sure. So it's yeah. it's been a lot of learning there, and I continue to you know we we've we've harped on this a bunch. Get yourself a network, talk to smart guys. You know, I talk to uh, a lot of the guys, and there's a golf DM group. There's a bunch of people in there we talk to. A friend of the program, we've had him on JD. Uh, you know, and Haven, his uh, podcast partner, they put out a good golf podcast every week uh, for profit. I try to listen to that when I can, and you know, just talk to those guys about what they're seeing. Cause there's, cool. there's always, there's always sharper people than you. And that, that's what we say all the time, you know, get yourself a network and make sure you're, you know, talking to people. Don't yeah. just live on your own, on your own confirmation biases. Well, what you brought up was a good point that reminded me of a conversation I had with a really, really smart friend of ours. Uh, and it was kind of all predicated in like, you know, Hey, vol- like some players, like their volume, over the course of a season is like front loaded or back loaded, right? 
Like they're not betting much early on. They're waiting for some data to come in and then they get their feet wet week four, five, six, right? Some of them are heavy early and do extremely well. And then the market catches up to them and then they stop betting as much late, right? Like, you, you, you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like there are definitely different players who have those kind of, you know, those general patterns, right? And it, I think I, I get it. Like you can come into a season if you've spent, you know, a good portion of your off season researching players, and, you know, what they're doing and how they're changing and like what kind of career arc they're on. And like, you know, they're about to hit their stride and this is a good time window for them early in the season. I'm going to bet on, I'm going to fade this guy, right? Like you can have, you know, a, a sh- you know, much sharper numbers than the market, which is a little, you know, which is just fraught with uncertainty early on. Oh, yeah. And you can do really well that way. But eventually the market learns and the uncertainty gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, yeah, <laughs> the market has your info and time to move on to the next board, right? Uh, and then the, the exact opposite is true, too. You can not have a good understanding of that. Wait for the market to learn it all. Get your information from the market. Uh, and then if you have a handful of uh, kind of small factors that are distinguishing factors, you can apply in a backward sense, you know, then, you know, once you have the correct forward information to start with, uh, you can, you can smoke it. So it, I get, I, I, I'm starting to get uh, a sense of uh, how, how there are kind of these two different approaches for any given sport. Uh, and uh, it makes sense now that, uh, if you've had a way to, that you were doing it in golf that was predicated on, you know, three months of data, uh, it's not necessarily going to work. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Spoiler work. It doesn't work in January. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the way it is in tennis too, right? Like the Australian right. Open, you, if you're going to do well in the week one of the Australian Open, you better have spent a good amount of time in the off season prepping for it, figuring yeah. out, you know, who's – you know, who is kind of doing better, improving their game, you know, fit for the conditions. What are the conditions? You know, what is the courts? You know, what is the court like? Is it changed? You know, you know, if if you're, you, you know, if you're betting early in, you know, without any information on player form, you know, you need those factors to, uh, to, to do well, I think. Um, Thankfully I sat out for a lot of the first week. uh, I took it pretty easy. I I only made like eight bets total. I made more future bets than that. A lot the second week? Yeah. I mean, though. Did you do pretty well as well? Yeah. No, I did good. Um, I think it's funny. I made eight bets and two of them are on the same match. Like the, I had, the, uh, I can't remember which Kyrgios match it was, but I had Kyrgios. Kyrgios Nadal? Yeah I, I, yeah. I believe it was. I had Kyrgios and the over. And there was like, there was a uh, tennis, this is tennis, man. There was a game in the fourth set. It's like if he's broken here, I'll I'll I think I'll push both. <laughs> I was it was it was pushing both, I believe. Yeah. Like, oh man, that would be that would be just, just my life. After you sit through like, you know, you go through a three, three and a half hours in. <laughs> of great of great tennis, honestly. It was a lot Yeah, of, of course. Like of course. If you you know, it's Nick. It's if you watch tennis, he's the kind of guy who would dog a set like that and lose it and boy I'd be pissed. My major takeaways from the Aussie, um, I'm excited about Nick this year. I'm excited that he looks like – I'm buying into this wasn't just a one-off for him and that he's going to go schizo on us at some point. I does, there. to me, looks like he's grown, which is exciting because I want him to be a player on tour that we can count on to give us, you know, give us an honest effort every given week. 
Yeah, he's um, very good. Like he could be a top player. Same with Zverev. Like yeah. Zverev was MIA last year. He was just a complete lost cause. Uh, he looks like he's back. That's exciting. Team obviously continues his ascension. That's exciting. Yeah. He can um, win. He can win a slam. Yeah, he's Federer cool. and Nadal pretty clearly look like they are you know nowhere close to the prime of two years ago, where they were both un- unbeatable on their respective services. Um, which leaves Joker, and if Joker. You know, if he ever gets fatigued, if he ever, you know, he's he's a guy that I kind of always keep an eye on. What's going on with his elbow? What's going on with his shoulder? What's going on with the serve? Uh, his power. You know, he reshaped his second serve, so it's you know a hell of a lot faster this year. That could have a wear and tear on him, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he is just zeroed in strictly on the four slams. And if we see some underwhelming performances from him uh, outside of those, won't surprise me at all because you know if you're putting that much into your second serve. Uh, you know, that can absolutely wear on your elbow. But um, any other takeaways from you from the Aussie? Uh, the women's side. Oh, my God. How in the hell are you handicapping any of that? It is just chaos. And the best Holy part, I don't, I don't do much with women's tennis. And we were just, you know, we were having a conversation again in a Twitter DM group. And I said, what about Canon? And, yeah, right. and like three, <laughs> three people had, and it's not like those are, it's not like three people had like, oh, just, shot me down with you like you're dumb it's like i uh, here's some reasons why probably she doesn't quite have it yet yeah i sense. i had shown you my uh my cross off list of the futures and i had crossed off kenan you were like why'd you cross off kenan i was like yeah i mean i like her i like her game but she's never made it past round four of a slam like it's that's not enough and, that, of a and price. that's yeah that's women's it's not enough of a price <laughs> because she's never made it past round four and uh and she wins yeah. <laughs> so yeah um that's how yeah. that's how it goes i mean i, I mean yeah. we've had so many surprise winners just well just like over the past few years people who've like ascended to it and then just that's it like between uh you know ostapenko and then um who was uh sloan stevens winning a slam just like yeah. you know i don't I don't know if they've won a tournament since. I'd have to. I shouldn't even say. I'd double check that. But yeah, Sloan backed it up with a uh, final yeah, appearance she, at Roland Garros. But she did. She certainly doesn't look like that anywhere close to that form now. Um, no. Ben Ostapenko. I, I Ostapenko. That was a hundred to one shot that she won the French that year, and uh, yeah, she really hasn't uh, shown us anything close to that. Close to that. Very game. fun three setter <laughs> with. Uh, I can tell you where I watched that one. Jalapeno. Yeah, jalapeno. That was one of the. I, I lost a lot of money on that match. <laughs> that was one of my biggest losses of 2017. But uh, I got it all back and more with jalapeno in 2018 in the French Open. So can't complain too much. Um, okay. No, I'll uh, continue to just. Uh, t- I, I'm very selective with tennis. I take it very easy. Um, tune into ball boys, though. Yeah, tune into ball boys because that's a lot of fun. We yeah, I do a I do a tennis podcast, which is. You know, twenty percent me talking geography, and eighty percent very sharp tennis. Trying to pronounce to. names, yeah, yeah. We work on that. Um, we, it's a lot of fun because we do break down uh, every tournament, every every tournament all year long, and even yep, when yep, there's yep. small, tiny ones like that. So <laughs> it keeps me, uh, it keeps me excited for tennis all year round, and I do love watching tennis, especially since it's one of those sports that goes like right now. There's a tournament in India, France, and in South Argentina. America. So you do like, just think about the, you know, the heart of the day in those three countries where they will play matches. You get tennis, you know, like 19, 20 hours a day. 
yeah it's true there, there's times where there's there's days where there's tennis on 24 hours a day for you know a week at a time so yeah. it's a lot of fun i enjoy that market quite a bit and hopefully i get a little more into it here now that football is over yeah but by all means check out the ball boys podcast uh if you if you got the tennis itch from the australian open um it is a absolutely it is a degen delight like there is always something to handicap and <clears throat> our uh, our good friend kelly at big 10 water writing Wada. fantastic he's, he's he is he is uh really finding his form speaking of uh i love love his articles uh love his um his live live angles that he's playing love you know just even if i don't actually get down on the number if i see him after the fact i love just kind of following along and seeing how they play out because uh he's got a knack he's got a nose for that wouldn't you say oh yeah for sure ton of fun um doing tennis and yeah we're just gonna keep getting after that cool um, about, I, uh, I, miss, I misspoke though i said now that football is over i there is yeah xfl football. there's a little football we should talk a little xfl set me up for this because i am like i'm an xfl virgin i have not i have i have not uh broken my cherry in terms of the rules in terms of the teams in terms of the schedule anything at all it's so hard it's so hard to tell anything all you can do right most you know i've read a few people's previews i've talked to some people i broke it down myself i looked at some rosters i don't have i'm not privy to some of the information that other people are but there's you know there's some consensus looks like it's pretty much you know seattle seattle's going to be bad and there's a few teams that are probably going to be you know top half but even then it's it's hard to tell like are you know who who's going to be really good like is there going to be any really good teams is it going to be a lot of parity there's a lot of teams that can you know depending on how it goes with the with the coach quarterback scheme combo like this could be a really good team this could be a really bad team seems like there's out of the eight there's like three or four of those where it's just there's really no telling at this point um the biggest disappointment to me so far is the utter lack of uh totals nobody's put totals out yet they have lines people are betting into them because i've been watching these markets and they're moving dallas dallas has taken a lot of money I know a few people who think St. Louis isn't going to be terrible, but uh, they are a ten and a half point dog week one. Haven't even played a game yet. Already a ten, ten and a half point dog. So there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of steam coming in on Tampa. I like Houston. People think Dallas is going to be good. There's some good coaches in the league. You know, you got Mark Trespin, who had a he had a couple cups of coffee in the NFL, but he's a CFL guy. Where's he at? Uh, he. I think he is the Vipers coach. Vipers, okay. I'm gonna have to double check that. No, I had it all. I, I was reading all this. Yeah, he is the Tampa Bay Vipers coach. But it, there's a there's a few teams who have you know quarterbacks you haven't heard of. There's a few teams that have Landry Jones. You know, there's there's some quarterbacks with NFL experience. They're playing down in this league. You got you got Stoops. I mean, there, there's some connections to be made for like. Like we had in the AFL, and I, I don't even know if I can get through this with without breaking up or being too upset. A, yeah, the AAF. Yeah, the AAF. Excuse me. AFL is a rugby league. <laughs> Aussie, Aussie rules. Aussie football. But uh, yeah, the AAF. If you find a coach who's engaged and has a half decent roster, like Spurrier did, you can have a good team. Like some, there's going to be a team that does that. So oh, I think the Apollos. The Apollos, like never forget the Apollos. Mm. So if you if you do want to, you know, start digging into this, I think that's where you need to start. You need to find a team with a coach 
need to find a team with a quarterback, some semblance of an offensive line. And I, I think that's the kind of team that can, they can do well in this league. And it'll be really interesting to watch this first week. I'll probably watch all four games because then I, I think I can actually, you know, put together some power numbers. So what do you think? Uh, ten, there are, are there 10 games or 10 weeks? How does this work? Yes, you will. There's eight teams, 10 weeks. You, so there's four, four teams in a conference. So you play everybody in the other conference once. You play everybody in your conference twice. So it's, okay. uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, kind of telling to – and that, that's, you know, I started looking at that. I said, well, who's got the easier conference? And then I quickly laughed at myself. Like, well, I don't know how good any of the teams are. Like, is it really, can, you, can you really tell? Which, you, you know, we did this. We broke this down in the NFL when we, when we were over the summer looking at all the preseason prices where they put out, uh, um, what do you want to call it, look-aheads for every team for the first 16 weeks. We were able to look at, you know, how do these teams compare just by doing the math. And then, you know, we don't have all the lines yet for every team for every week. We just have one week. So all I can tell you right now is what the market thinks, you know, how good Dallas is compared to St. Louis. You know, once we get into the second week, we can start actually maybe telling what the, what the line makers power numbers look like for XFL. And I think there's going to be different numbers at different shops for sure. Like you'll, you'll be able to, uh, you'll be able to see, you know, what certain, if certain books are maybe shading a team differently, because I don't know if there's going to be a ton of consensus in some of these uh, and there will be books that just copy each other. But it'll be. Okay. It's going to take a week or two for me to get too involved, unless the, unless these totals get out of hand. If the totals open really high, I don't care about the rule changes. Like this is the preseason to me. Like you watch, you, you, we get that question every year too. Like, hey, this preseason. Like, why is the total like thirty six? Because it's preseason. Because <laughs> the defense has the advantage. The offense does not. You know, they're not gelled yet. Like, it's going to be a bad game these totals aren't 36 because the books don't know what they're doing. That's where <laughs> like, I, I don't know what the proper totals should be in these games, but if they open too high, I'll probably be on some unders. If they even nice. get them, we're on we're Wednesday night. I haven't seen them yet. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, speaking of seeing any, uh, you seen any uh, bettable Oscar props or have they all been steamed to oblivion? Um, I mean, a lot of them, there, there's a case to be made for, you know, this one hasn't moved too much. Um, once a time, once upon a time in Hollywood is not the favorite for best original screenplay, but I think it has a chip chair and a chance. I don't think it should be plus one seventy where it is. Like, I've seen some smart people make cases for that. We agree. <clears throat> Do you want me to make the case for it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, mate, yeah, I mean, you you made a good case for it when you talked. Uh, okay, so first of all, the um, this is a weird year for the Oscars. Here's your here's your five minute Oscar here. Um, the Oscars are early this year. Usually we are doing this in the first weekend of March. Uh, but here we are the weekend after the Super Bowl, talking about the Oscars. It's a little weird. Um, and because of that, just the entirety of the awards season has been compressed. Uh, they didn't move the golden globes or the BAFTAs or the SAG awards. They didn't move. It, those has, it has been tight. Yeah. They just crunched everything together. Um, and because of that, it has made voting, at least from the people that I talk to who have rules in Hollywood, uh, it's made voting a little weird this year. Usually you have a nice, lengthy, kind of relaxed time if you're not like, you know, if you're, if you're busy, if you're doing things, if you're working on projects, like uh, you have time to watch all the screeners. You have time to kind of form your own opinion. 
you have time to kind of gauge the uh, what the pol- what the political kind of wins are um, because there's kind of two things that go into voting for the Oscars. Number one, what you think is the best, and number two, you kind of are voting what you think will win so that you don't look stupid or that you feel good about like your opinion. <laughs> like I guarantee you that all of these people, not all of them, but a lot of them are so vain. They want to place a vote on what will be the winner. I promise you. Uh, and so because yeah, of band, the bandwagon effect, yeah, yeah, be, this is, this is a perfect, perfect bandwagon deal. Um, and so because of that, and because of the compressed schedule, this is setting up for probably one of the chalkiest years ever, because a lot of the voters, a lot of people who are voting into the, you know, the, the major markets, especially, uh, they haven't seen everything. I don't want to put you on the spot, but what, sure. What is the normal spacing between the BAFTAs, the British Awards, and ours? Because it's two weeks this year, isn't it? Yeah, usually there's a whole month where there's no yeah, awards w- given at all. For, and the yeah. voting is, is takes, and you know, usually, I think the BAFTAs yeah. were when they are normally. Yeah, uh, like, but the like Oscars you, yeah, are like like you said, right after, was, right. Just, it's just, it was the Globes the other week, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, everything's been compressed. Yeah, um, and so number one, you know, people aren't going to actually be able to watch and screen, and you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. And you know, there's not, there's also not going to be kind of political momentum to squash it or kind of you know cause a big time upset, right? Like sometimes you can think of some op- you know, examples of the past where you know a movie became unfair. Like uh, with three billboards was a good example. Like enough people started seeing it and thinking like, well, there's some problematic. Uh, you know, re- resolution to this movie that I'm, I'm not going to vote for it for best picture. Right. And even, you know, that was like a minus minus one fifty or minus 200 favorite ended up getting upset by uh, shape of water, I think. So, you know, those sort of I things like happen when you have, I like three billboards too. I thought it was a fine movie, but I don't know if it was the best movie of the year. Either way, it, that one won a number of the run up, you know, run up awards and therefore it was the market leader. Um, but in the, you know, in the month that it had, you know, people had time to kind of, you know, develop a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of political momentum against it. Uh, it ended up uh, getting upset by Shape of Water. Um, that's and that's kind of the nature of the upset. The nature of the upset is, you know, the market gets gets. You know, they originally throw numbers out there that are just totally insane. Uh, no idea where they come from. Uh, and the, you know, I first saw when I first they, they right after the noms. You know, you see numbers pop, and <clears throat> sometimes. Uh, there are just ridiculous odds on stuff. Like I think the original favorite for best picture this year was Once Upon a Time. It was a heavy chalk. 1917 was like plus 250 somewhere. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't bet that. I'm so mad about that. I can't believe you did it. (laughs) It was, that was a bad number. Oh God. I'm so mad about that one. Yes, it's so yeah. That one was a weird, but again, you can only get down like hundred bucks. So I wouldn't miss that. I know, this is, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm I know. like, yeah. I'm like, God, I thought that had a chance, you know? Because yeah, right. in my mind, in my mind, it was 1917 and Parasite. Like, which one of those is going to win? And then sure. you see and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood open chalk, which like, bless, like I, I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, good movie, but I didn't think it was going to be up there like that. So yeah, yeah. So I think, anyway, yeah, I think the result the right, of all the right this, move on these is the early move. Like yeah, the right like move the, is like the, the cartoon. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Tell the story agreed. about the cartoon. The um, oh yeah, jeez, dude, Klaus, man. Uh, yeah, the the I can't remember which award it won, but it won one of the bellwethers that indicates that it's going to be, uh, you know, it has a very reasonable chance to uh to knock off Toy Story four. I mean, you know, for a uh, for a decade, you know, it was don't even handicap the animated, just bet the Pixar movie. Um, Toy Story 4, obviously a legacy and, you know, has a lot of kind of popular support, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't great. And honestly, like, you know, you're not going to win back-to-back MVPs if your second season isn't as good as your first season. 
And so that does play into this, I think. So the likelihood that something besides Toy Story 4 is going to win is pretty reasonable. And uh, Klaus was like 33 to 1. Uh, and then uh, it wins the bellwether. And, uh, you know, then it got Some, shortened to uh, even odds. <laughs> is it yeah, even kudos, there's places where it's minus. It's minus. So kudos to people who grabbed, who grabbed like 33, 35. 36, 35. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. It, it opened an that, enormous I number. Mean, I think if you do want to get into Oscar props, it's it's like what we said about the Super Bowl props. Like, hey, you're too late. Like, yeah, right. Work on it for next year, but definitely keep an eye on, like you said, the bellwether. The, the BAFTAs, the Globes, keep an eye on that sort of stuff. Watching, you know, watch what's going on in those, get to know what that means, and then you can start grabbing early numbers. Yeah. The other thing that I kind of knew because of the compressed schedule this year was that the acting awards were going to be just flat out chuck. Like, no, like, don't even, don't overthink it. Like, these are for sure the the market leaders are going to win. Yeah, those, so. four pe- those four people are winning. Yeah, and I, did you know those? You know, we were talking about how Hollywood was open as chalk for uh, for Best Picture. The um, those actors were all in like the minus four five hundred range yeah. uh, on the open, and uh, laid laid the wood on. Actually, it let me it let me parlay three of the four. It wouldn't let me put Joker in there for some reason. I, yeah, uh, I had but, the same thing. Like that makes what's no up, sense. What, what, I, I know what book. I, I can tell you what, what book that you're was using. Not correlated. Like yep. it's definitely not correlated, so I don't understand at all. But whatever the case was, I got down on uh, Renee Zellweger, uh, Brad Pitt, and um, uh, Laura Dern, uh, who are all three. I think rock, rock, rock solid. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I can give the awards. I can tell you what book you were using because that's the weirdest. <laughs> thing. Like that doesn't make any sense. Which it doesn't probably, make any. Sense. It's probably just a glitch. Like it's not something yeah, made on purpose. Yeah. So, right. Oh, or, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. Is was Leo nominated for Best Actor? I don't think he was. Was he? He might have been. I guess I don't know. But okay, there may have been some correlation between Leo and Brad or something. Who the hell knows? Anyway, um, the uh, the best foreign film absolutely slam dunk Parasite. The <laughs> best thousand or something. Yeah. So here, so here's the thing. Here's how this trickles out. A lot of people who watched movies, a lot of people kind of got the groundswell buzz like Parasite was good, and so they went and watched it, and it is freaking good. Like, no doubt about it. It has a reasonable shot to beat 1917, um, especially in kind of the minds of the sort of the, the movie-going public, because I think a lot more people who just kind of go watch movies have had time to go see Parasite or stream Parasite, and not as many have had the time to see 1917, because that's more like homework. Um, and so it, it's, you know, it definitely has like kind of the fan groundswell. Um, the problem is Sam Mendes, who did 1917, is like a master of kind of working the, the political side of this within Hollywood, a master of kind of getting, you know, his, you know, st- he's, a, he's a prestige guy. He knows how to make prestige movies. He knows how to get, he knows how to win awards, basically. Uh, and uh, so I do think he gets this best picture. I do think he gets best director. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of it is going to be because people who, you know, who, even though they like Parasite, will think, well, it got best foreign film they already got one so why would i you know why would i give it a second one like 1917 didn't get anything we should give that the best picture right um same kind of thinking with uh well okay well you know if if, um you know if hollywood doesn't get if it gets shut out of you know best picture best director which i think it will uh then uh that sets up for best screenplay excuse me best uh original screenplay as a uh as a quentin tarantino uh constellation prize and that's something like they've been they've been more than comfortable giving him. Sure. Like, you know, that's that's like the Quentin Award. Like he wins that. 
That's what yeah, he does. He, for cause sure. Because he, he's had some, I mean, imagine like the first time, imagine watching Pulp Fiction for the first time again, like in the mid nineties and be like, what the hell is, this is, this is the wildest thing ever. Like now it's, it's a, it's not passe, but it's, you know, people have seen it and there's been enough, enough innovation and stuff back then. It's like, this is, this is a damn crazy idea. Like, uh, like that was a no doubter. I can't yeah. remember what the other one he won for. I believe it was uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, either that or Glorious Bastards. He's won a couple. Uh, but whatever the case is, you're right. He will get his directing award at some point. It'll probably be a makeup. Um, and but I yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be a movie year. that yeah it'll be a movie that isn't all that great. <laughs> that is the best part. It is how it works. It is there is that is the, the the sad truth about some of this. There is some shitty politics involved in all this, and that sucks. But yeah, I, I definitely I'm I'm in on that. I got plus one seventy on that screenplay for them. I I would recommend that if you can still get it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying it wins, but the, it should be like it should be a pick'em. You're right. He did win ben Django. He did not win Inglorious Bastards, even though he was nominated for both of those. Um, he, is and that the only two? Has he won other Oscars? Pulp Fiction. He got. He got oh, yeah, Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction and, 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 and Django. Django. Yeah, those are his only two Oscars. Um, he's been nominated for director. This is his third nomination for director, and this is his first Best Picture nom. Um, so yeah, next time probably he'll get he a makeup, nothing, and it won't be as good a movie. Nothing for acting. He didn't get anything for. Um, <laughs> what is what's the one in Mexico that I can't? Think of? Oh yeah, uh, Desperado. Uh, he did no, not the get other, a nom the other for one Desperado. What was the other one? Dusk Dusk till dawn. Dawn. Yeah, he was in that too. Was that even in Mexico? Oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I thought so. Desperado for sure. He was in that. that you remember? Do you um, remember the name of the of the place they're at? The uh, establishment? No, I don't. What was, was called, it? I think it was called the Titty Twister. The Titty Twister? Okay. <laughs> I did know that. I totally forgot that. Uh, it's been it's too many years. It's embarrassing. I haven't, I haven't um, seen the movie in 15 years at least. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, worth the tickle. Uh, I can, I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think it should be chalk. I just can see entirely see a narrative shape up where, you know, that becomes the award for, uh, you know, for the movie baking enterprise that was once upon a time in Hollywood, which I think was well liked by the, uh, by the voting block and for sure is going to earn Brad Pitt his first ever Oscar, which is cool. Good for him. Um, I mean, just good movie. Like I enjoyed it. Yeah, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some A-list people too. So the Oscars is probably gonna be fun to watch. It'll be a fun one to have a little party for. It'll be a fun one to do a little, uh, do a little ballot, uh, have a little have a little party, and uh, you know invite uh, your all your wife's friends over to hang out and vote for the Oscars, and you know get a little info. Even you probably you know there's probably info out there that they know that I don't. So uh, I enjoyed. Um, um, what what was your of the best picture nominees that you've seen? Is Parasite your favorite? I like not not I to not to win, it. not to win. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't yeah. seen it? No, no. I have it queued up. I'm going to watch it on Friday. Do not spoil. What, ha- it for what me, have please. you? What have you seen for Best Picture? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the only one I've seen. Really? Oh my gosh! You need to. Nineteen seventeen. You have to just take that in. Like it's. it's I'm excited uh, to see that, but I, the, yeah, I have the not cinematography seen it. is great. I mean, that, like, there's, speaking there's of a lock, that yeah, one is oh definitely God, one yeah, best in for sure. <laughs> The lighting, the lighting they do in this this bombed out French town is something else. Like it, it was a really well made film. I enjoyed that one. It was a 
I like Dunkirk good. a lot. I like war movies in yeah. general, so I'll probably was, like that. It was it was well made. There's a few left I have to I have to hit, and I'm obviously probably not going to get it done before the weekend. Did you see Joker? Yes. What did you think? Was it good? Liked it. Like uh, I liked uh, I liked Joaquin's performance better than the movie. Like he, okay, he, he, was, <laughs> he was great. The movie was good. Okay. Okay. He's just he's just perfect for that. Like he's almost typecast as like a a hurt person. I'm probably gonna watch The Irishman this week. I'm probably gonna watch um, Marriage Story. I'm definitely gonna watch uh, Parasite. And uh, if I get a chance, I'll see 1917 as well. So. Is Parasite streaming? It point? is. <clears throat> it is. You can stream it on uh, Amazon. Amazon nice. Prime. Or have it queued. Perfect. Well. Should we uh, should we dive into the off season then? Let's uh, let's should we call it. Yeah, let's play a little else? game. This, this is, is an fun. NFL podcast. Oh this yeah, let, one more NFL topic. Here. Yes, one, one more, more NFL, NFL topic. topic. Yeah, let's let's do it. Set it which up. One, which one do we want to start with? Will we go AFC or NFC? Which one? Pick one. AFC or NFC? Which one do you want? I want the AFC. All right, we're gonna do a little quick game, and it's going to be over under just right. And you know, to the point, like, would you bet this if you if you got decent juice? Let's just say, let's just say it's even money on both sides. You're getting plus one hundred no matter what. So you, okay. you said AFC. Yeah, I want the I want to say the FC team. All so right. I'll go first. You uh, do you like over or under Arizona Cardinals six and a half? I like over. Mm. Over or under Atlanta eight. <sighs> this one's tough. This is that's a that's a just right. Like that's perfect. Just right. Yeah. How about uh, okay. all right? Uh, I'll go through. I'll go through all of the NFCs and then yeah, we'll just keep. Yeah, just keep doing. Um, over under Carolina six and a half. I'm gonna go over on that. Really? Yes. Oh man, I hard disagree with you on that. Uh, I, Chicago eight. It's too. It's too low. Like they're, they're not gonna win nine games, but man, I, I would just. I don't see them going under. We can get deeper than that. Chicago eight. That's about right. Yep. Uh, Dallas nine. Eight, eight and eight team until uh, over. Dallas is my Super Bowl team. <laughs> I am. All right. Heel, as, as, just as we did in the playoffs. Heel turn. I am now a Mike McCarthy fan. Mm, okay. I'm going to need you to make this case for me over the course of this offseason because at this oh, point yeah. I am looking at you like eyes popped like, really? Oh. Um, Detroit six and a half. Boy, that's just about right, but they can't win six and a half, can they? No. Until, until further notice, they're an under team. They are. Uh, Green the, Bay. There's, there's weird Stafford trade rumors now. Green Bay. Nine under. and a half. Nine and a half? Under. Oh, boy, dude. It's juice to the over, too. That's an under. It is? Yeah, they're an eight, eight nine win team. Like the whole NFC. Oh, Central. dude. NFC Central, mm-hmm. I said again. Packers, nine and a half is an under. Oh yeah, bomb! That is a good one. That's a, um, that's a bad line. That's a bad I might, line. I might, I might bet that. Too. <laughs> that's a bad uh, line. Out of that one's gonna for, okay. Here's a question, Chris. Real that quick. was the most conviction I've had so far. Yeah, same. Uh, nine, nine and a half. What is that? Uh, what is that in April? Oh, I'm mean, sorry. What is that? What is that in? Uh, let's say. Let's, what was that in August? I don't know. You, you never know what will happen in the draft and what goes on here and there. And they can, you know, they can still trade. But I mean, if they don't improve anything in the receiving core and Rogers just another year older, like 
it's it probably stays at nine and a half just because they have Rodgers. And okay, they fingers crossed. But, but I, I bet the, the juice, the ind- indexes to the under moves to nine. Okay, that's I'm fine with that. Um, wow, you got to go away if you're going alphabetical here all the way down to LA. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, Rams, eight and a half. That is a under. They're in cap hell still. Yep. Uh, Minnesota, nine and a half. Under. Whoa. I know. I think, did I go under on all four NFC North teams? Uh, You said Chicago was about right at eight. Um, I think, I think Minnesota and Green Bay are fighting, fighting for a 10th win, like a ninth or 10th win to win the division. Okay. It's, it's ugly. It's going to be an ugly division. Yeah. No, you know, yeah. Minnesota, Stefanski is like the only guy that was running any kind of modern anything. Um, Although QBX taking over for Oakcord. I'm going to think about that one a little bit. Um, New Orleans, 10. Pass. Have to pass, even though I want to play the under so bad. I kind of want to play the under. Can't do it. That's not something something you should be betting unless you really (laughs) feel like you know what's going to happen at the quarterback situation. Yeah, really. Uh, Giant, six and a half. Uh, Boy, there's no really low numbers. I know that's the, none of I, these yeah. are low, low numbers. Yeah, we're not seeing like that three and a half pop out. Like there's a five and a half in the same division, but no. yeah, that that's a. I can promise you, I mean, there will be four teams that win less than four games. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> and the Jets will be one of them. Yeah, that's an under. Even at six and a half, that's an under. Um, Philly ten. Philly ten is an under. That team <laughs> is snake bit. Curse. Too many injuries. If yeah. they get healthy, if they get healthy, they can push that. But I don't know. I'm not hopeful. Interesting. We're kind of seeing opposite in the NFC East. That's one we're going to have to have a very fun handicap on. Um, no, like Philly, a fully healthy Philly team might get 10, 11, dare I say, twelve wins. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's break it down. Let uh, not now, obviously. Uh, San Francisco, ten and a half. Ooh. Ten and a half. That's a big old number. I think that was where the Rams were last year. Yeah. Do we see a drawback? A little uh, Super Bowl hangover? Super Bowl hangover? Probably right about right. I wouldn't bet that either way. I think you got to go under. They're still a good team. Yeah, I know. But the defense, it, you know, what's, what's predictive year over year for defense? Anything they're good at? No, but I mean, if, if, they're, if all their offensive pieces stay healthy like they didn't this year. Yeah, that's they're, true. They're, they're a pretty good offense when all the receivers are healthy. There's a regression case for San Francisco beyond just oh, for the sure. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't bet the over. But I'm not. I'm not like slamming this under. That's for sure. Seattle nine. Seattle nine is just about right because I never can. I'm, I'm terrible with them. I don't know. All Russell Wilson does is win double digit wins, man. Yeah, that's all he does. Tampa seven and a half. Oh my god, that's the biggest over I'll ever bet. Can you bet? <laughs> Those two that receivers. Be a great one, man. Those two receivers and Philip Rivers, they probably win the division. <laughs> you heard it here first. We'll, we'll see. Um, how about uh, Washington, five and a half? It's the yeah, lowest number on the board? It is, this the, is the tied number. for the lowest total. Man, I, I think it still might go under. Yeah, I think it might too. Um, they haven't got their stuff figured out. So. Ron Rivera. Right. Yeah, okay. Baltimore 11. Lock. That's just right. That is just right, isn't it? Buffalo eight and one half. Under. Yep. I kind of like that under a lot, actually. Uh, although, 
Yeah. They're a good team. They'll bring They're a good lot team. Out. They have good coach. I, I have a see, very, I, I have a very hard take on an AFC team. I wish I'd have had it almost. I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. Okay. I'll say, I'll say this is my one. I won't tell you what it was. Okay. Cincinnati, Cincinnati is the our other five and a half. Yeah, that's about right. It I guess you can't land on five and a half. I would say under. I think it come in five and eleven. Cleveland eight. Play. That's exactly right. It is. I would lean a little over, actually. Just lean a little over. That much not talent. Not much though. That much talent. If you can wrangle it, babysit those kids. I think it's a good team. Denver's also eight. They need to do a lot on the offensive line to get Baker Mayfield to play close oh, that, to his potential though. That's very true. <laughs> okay. Denver's Denver's well, also eight. Yeah, that's an that's an over lean, but it's a that's a bigger number than I was hoping for. I really yeah. thought we were going to see like seven and a half and have a nice swing on it over there. But uh, this, I, you know, I, I, here's 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 my prediction for that. This is going to be a popular over. Like the market will move this number up. Oh yeah, Drew Locke. Um, he's trendy name right now. Yeah, so I, I think if you like the Broncos, you need to bet it early um, because I don't think that's going to be there in August. I don't think I'll bet it, but I do think it's going to go up. Houston eight and a half under. Yeah, I think you're probably right there too, especially if that division gets any better. Speaking of Indy, seven and a half. I gotta take over. It's juiced heavily to the over to tell you Is the it? truth. Yeah, but like that, I agree with you there. Jacksonville six and a half. I think I have to take the under because I don't know who the fuck is the going to be the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're, yeah, under. Actually, I feel kind of okay about the under, even though it's low. We're taking a KC 11.5. I think you have to look under there, but it's not worth it's not when you feel good losing your, it's not worth losing your money on. No. Nope. No, no. Las Vegas, seven. Under. Yeah, probably. Who do you think quarterback's going to be? Brady. Hmm. Seven? Seven. It'll be fun to watch him go up there. I guess if it's wins. Brady, then I'll go. <laughs> I think I'll go over. He'll get eight and eight. Brady and Chucky. Oh, boy. Chargers of Los Angeles. Seven and a half. Oh, man, dude. Who's their quarterback? Exactly. I think we're, I we're running. Under. I think we're running under. into it. Like this is under, a fun. Yeah. It's a fun game and all, but yeah. like, when you start running into these sort of like, who's the quarterback? And I don't have like any. This. I don't have any confidence that they're going to get a, a good. They're going to be able to do the right thing at quarterback. So I'm going to take that under. There's like eight teams legitimately that it's like, who's the quarterback? Like honestly, Carolina. I'm not 100 sure. Just Cincinnati sure. start rookie. You know, sure. You got. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Indianapolis, Jacksonville, the Raiders. As long as we're on the Chargers, Tennessee, the Chargers. Tampa let's say, Bay. Yeah, let's say uh, let's say Cam Newton uh, is a Chargers quarterback. Do you still like under seven and a half, or do you like it more? <laughs> no, that'd be a fun. Gosh, that'd be a fun uh, combination. Actually, they have some good. They have some good pieces out there. He, I just, I still don't. I still need. I, I need. I need to see Cam Newton throw. 100 passes in the preseason before I make any bet on whatever team he plays for. Yeah. Uh, Miami, <clears throat> our third five and a half. It's, it's still an under. They're just still it's so young. still an under. They st- They're coming they on so strong, though. They have so much draft capital. The Raiders it's a, yeah, it's were in the exact same boat last year. They had all that young talent that they brought on board. 
and they made their number easily. I'm probably going to bet the over on that. It's going to go up. I can tell you that much for sure. Yeah, I won't bet that. that. I won't touch after it. The, after the draft, after they get glowing reviews for just having a billion draft picks, that number is going to be six, six and a half. Um, Jared Stidham and the Patriots, <laughs> ten and a half. <laughs> I guess we got to go under. Yep. Uh, leads us to the other New York team, the Jets, at six and a half. Yeah, give me the under on that. The Adam Gase, the Adam Gase uh, train is he is care- he is careening for the cliff right now. Everything that they are saying and doing looks like a disaster. I, I, Darnold, I like him. I'd like to see the Jets do well, but yep. the, the franchise is not in sound hands. It's rotting from the head for sure. <laughs> Here's the one where I have a take. Pittsburgh over nine. Yeah, I could see that. That defense is coming back strong. If you have a healthy veteran quarterback, they have a couple good receivers. Like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, kind of talented on defense. And I mean, Big Ben, if he stays healthy all year, that alt number is also going to go up because that number will go up. That number will go up, and like everyone's going to be, you know, everyone's still on Baltimore, but man, I might have some Pittsburgh to win the division when it mm. all comes down to it. Yeah. They just, the, the, num- the number's going to be, the, the numbers going to be out of whack. Yeah. yeah it's going to be like three, just, 300, 400, maybe, maybe. I don't, know, probably I don't, I don't know. I don't know how big it'll be, but it'll be wrong. People will talk themselves into Baltimore once we start seeing them in preseason. And that number for Pittsburgh to win the division is going to be at least 250. Your last one, Tennessee Titans, eight and a half. Yeah. I like the over there. I kind of am. I kind of like what they're doing. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like their team. I would say that I from probably, that one on. I'm probably going to back them to win the South when we see that number. Oh, what was it? What, what was you said? What you said was eight and a half, right? I mean, if you think Houston regresses and you don't know the quarterback yeah. for the other two teams, yeah, you, you probably have to bet them to win the South. You think we're going to get plus 180, plus 200 maybe? I mean, Houston will be favored, and then you'll have – they should be second favorite. Yeah, I'm you probably going to bet them to win the South. I mean, they made the AFC title game. Are you going to make it? I worry about you. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's, let's call it a podcast. That was fun. We'll, we'll obviously get deeper into all of those when we do the previews over the summer. Go get some rest. Go drink some whiskey. That's curious. Yeah, I've been holding. I've been holding my cough for like an hour and thirty minutes here. So you've been yeah. doing fine. You've been doing great. So yeah. this was fun. Yeah, um, good fun. Yeah, like we said, we'll, we'll get into some fun evergreen topics next week. We'll have some interviews. Going to reach out to some people and hopefully get some fun stories and insights on the podcast this off season. Yep, that was uh, that was outstanding work and uh, best of luck in all your endeavors.